Welcome to Shoot the Hostage, I am Dan. And I'm Sarah, and we're a movie show that covers eight films each season, tied together by a central theme. This season, the theme is folklore. We cover everything from explosive action to spine-tingling horror and everything in between. And as a heads up, we don't hold back on coarse language or specific plot details, so listener discretion is advised. This podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons, without whom the show would not be possible. If you'd like to help out and access all of our bonus content, including new reviews and rap shows, all the relevant links will be in the show notes. And if you're not a Patreon person, but you would still like to help out, you could rate and review us on your podcast player of choice tell a friend and get them to rate and review us as well or come follow us and interact with us on social media mostly instagram x threads tiktok all at sch underscore pod without further delay here's this week's episode we hope you enjoy it and stick around season four season four we made it folklore yes that was unintentional but i do like a good rhyme i was thinking like in the promotional material could we put like folk and then the number four and then law <laughs> folk folklore that doesn't make any sense folk floor <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean no i don't well i know what you mean but i'm vetoing it that's worse than the expend forbles I might do it anyway. Okay, yeah. You're a law unto yourself. <laughs> I'm a folklore unto myself. Yeah. <laughs> folklore, yes. As usual, we've got eight movies lined up. Mm-hmm. The first one we're doing is The Vavitch. Yes. Are you going to insist on saying that? Well, that's how it's written. Technically speaking, yes. But I think everyone just calls it The Witch, right? Um, it's, it's basically... Yeah. Because when the film was set, the letter W wasn't really in use. Mm. So it's just like a pretentious kind of nod to the time period, isn't it? Yeah. And also it sounds cool. Does it? So it's good for the marketing. It sounds metal. Yeah. So the witch, the vavitch, <laughs> uh, you know what we're talking about. We, we, You've got a very good looking second sight edition of this movie, haven't you? I do. I wondered where you were going with that sentence. I was hoping it was going to end with face. <laughs> But a girl can dream. Um, I do, I do. You bought it for me. Yes, it's it's lovely. There's a really nice book and double disc and loads of extras and really pretty pictures and stuff. It's uh, it's a really nice addition. I think it might be my favourite Blu-ray that I own. Better than The Guest? Ooh. They're both second sight, though. They, both... they put out such nice releases. Yeah, they you do. You can't make me choose. It's so difficult. Every time they announce a pre-order, it's always... <laughs> I always look and it's always, even movies like I'm not hugely a fan of, yeah. like the Ginger Snaps movies. I'm like, oh, but there's a trilogy. and it's, look at it. Yeah, and it's, they're, they're so nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're, yeah, keep it up, Second Sight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, please. But make it cheaper. <laughs> okay, so before we get too deep into the uh, the who's, the where's, the why's, etc. The law, the folklore. The, the folk, law of the The folk, folk. for the law. Stop making, stop trying to make it a thing. Um, yeah, synopsizers. Is uh, that a word? Yeah, I'm going to synopsize you. <laughs> so, letterbox as usual. Yep. Evil takes many forms. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a rabbit, 
Sometimes a goat. How dare sometimes you? Sometimes a hare, not a rabbit. It was a hare. <laughs> sometimes a horse. Sometimes it, you're getting carried away. I am getting, you're getting sidetracked away. already. Synopsis: In 1630s New England, hang on, I'm going to face the microphone. <laughs> In 1630s New England, William and Catherine lead a devout Christian life with five children, and I've forgotten to put my glasses on. <laughs> Homes, homesteading. On the edge of an impassable wilderness, exiled from their settlement, when William defies the local church. When their newborn son vanishes and crops mysteriously fail, the family turns on one another. Yeah. So, baby go bye-bye. <laughs> they all go mad. Yeah, that's a pretty succinct way of uh, yeah reducing the plot down to nothing. Um, the first time I saw this, yeah, was that for the witch festival that we had? Yes. I'm, I'm asking you that. I, was, I wasn't sure if I'd seen it before because it's a 24, isn't it? It is a 24, yes. It's quite an early 24. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I, I think I've seen this now twice. Well, three times. Uh, you watched it with the commentary as well. True. Yeah, that counts. That counts. It's more than I've done. But, um, but you've seen this like 10 times. Like or eight or nine yeah. times. <laughs> and, and for a movie that's not even 10 years old yet, that's a lot of times. Did you... Were you excited for this movie coming out? Were you, or were you obviously aware of it being a, a huge horror fan? I had seen the trailer and I was very lucky in that I was able to go to a press screening of it in London. Nice. Um, Soho House? No, Soho Hotel, which I don't know why they just didn't go with Soho Hotel. Because Soho it's Hotel. really difficult yep. to say. I was initially drawn by the promise of free wine, um, but I stayed for the film and it was excellent it blew me away it has all of the beats that i absolutely love it has so much in common with the 1970s horror films mm. that i adore so i think i was always destined to love this one yes i, I think if i'd have seen this independently of you if, 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 if this had come out this week and i'd gone to see it without you which is it would never happen but say <laughs> i wouldn't allow it yeah say that that had happened in a, a different universe I would watch it and go, oh, Sarah would love this. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's I got think my so. name written all over it. It has got your name written all over it. But yeah, I have since gone on to uh, adorn myself with a Black Philip tattoo, quite a large tattoo oh. of that shitty goat. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what it is about this film. I find it, I find it endlessly watchable. Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Yes. During this conversation. I don't really know what kind of avenues we're going to go down because this is it's one of those films where it's so detailed mm -hmm. in how it's made how it's presented and what you're seeing and things flash and having particularly seen it for the third time today mm -hmm. and twice in quite short succession there's a lot a lot more that i picked up oh okay just in terms of flash images or, you know, watching it with the director's commentary helps because he's also going, <laughs> yeah. you can see the cut there, can't you? And I'm going, oh, yeah, I do see a cut. <laughs> Insight from the man himself. Exactly, yeah. So when someone's explaining it to you, it does help me to appreciate things a bit more. <laughs> yeah. But I liked it anyway. Like, yeah. I, I liked it anyway. I thought it was a really good movie. And I, I love how lean it is. I was actually quite surprised by how much he took to this because mm. it's not typically something I would predict that you would enjoy. It's funny, there, it feels like there are, would be quite a few barriers. Mm. It's it's a period piece for a, a start. It's a period piece. It's doing the old English thing where you have to work quite <laughs> hard to kind of think about what they're saying. Well, it's not just the dialogue, it's the accents as well. Yeah. 
and um, like the way it looks is quite drab and yes. dreary and kind of not uh, kind of tired looking very by design color palette yeah and it feels like it it's not it wouldn't be an enjoyable film to watch but I, I think it actually is quite enjoyable to watch and part of that is how lean it is the pacing of it mm-hmm. I do think it lays the groundwork really economically. Yeah. And then you get to know these people over the first half of the movie. And then, but you, there are certain things that happen early on as well that keep me interested. Okay. And I'm obviously talking about the stuff with the witch mm-hmm. because I don't know, I suppose it could be one of those films where is there a witch, isn't there a witch? And you can sort of read it that way. Well, I mean, if we're going to skip to the end immediately, Robert Eggers himself, I think, kind of said, it's open to interpretation. You can, yeah. it's it's just as valid to be of the belief that everything is literal as it is to believe that the family just goes mad because of their devout beliefs and their isolation and their rejection and um, the child dying or going, well, going missing um, yeah. and then just spiraling. And possibly tripping their bollocks off of um, poisoned corn. No, 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 no. Hallucinating. No. No, I'm going to I'm going to correct you straight out of the gate there. <laughs> I love this section. <laughs> Episode 1, season 4, Dan gets corrected. This is going to be a recurring theme. So, a lot of people think that is the case that they were tripping their bollocks off, um to as you poetically put it, I believe. Um but <laughs> it's it's since been debunked. So, he's the the dad, Ralph Innocent, is shown holding a cob of corn that they've grown and it looks like it's got some sort of mold or parasite or something on it, I think you said, yeah. like a fungus. But people watching it mistook it for something called ergot. Ergot, yeah. Which is a fungus that produces a hallucinogen. A lot of people historically believe that that is, or had a part in the hysteria surrounding actual cases of accused witches. Yeah. How true that is, we don't know. But ergot is not found on corn. It's um it, it doesn't it wouldn't grow on it. Right. So that's um that's a red herring, perhaps. Okay. So, well, yeah, I guess just... not then. I guess you can just disregard <laughs> that. It is just that their crops have failed. Yeah. But we don't know why. We do know why it's no. supernatural. You, you <laughs> mentioned um Ralphie Boy there. Yes. Chris Finch. Finchy. Finchy's well, in this movie. I am not a fan of the um the office, the original version. The so. office. Oh, here we go. So Ooh. I I know him primarily as the dad from The Witch. Yeah, fair enough. Um, he might pop up again this season. He definitely will pop yeah, up again this season. Might be in something else <laughs> that we're talking about. The film starts with his uh, his dialogue, doesn't it? His amazing bassy rumbling voice. Yeah, where he's in the they're in the meeting hall. Mm-hmm. He's with his family and he's facing these people, and they're like, "Get out of the the, the settlement! We piss, yeah. piss off! Go on, get lost!" <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how they said it, as if they're from Essex. Yeah, um, yeah, some sort of Puritan council, I guess. Yeah, and and he's sort of saying, "Well, I did nothing, say the the, the preaching of Jesus Christ or whatever he says. <laughs> I'm I'm a good guy." Mm-hmm. leave me alone um but they decide to fuck off and that's this is new england right so this yeah. is this is a family that's um gotten a boat from england to massachusetts and it's set in 1630 as we said in mm-hmm. a synopsis right yeah which is like i think something like 60 years before the salem witch trials right so it's kind of like the initial ideas or mm-hmm the stories or just kind of the part of the 
the kind of the road to to that to that event. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cast wise, it's it's, it's a good, it's a really good cast. You, obviously, I said Chris Finch, but Ralph Innocent is fucking great in this movie. He's brilliant. Everyone is 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 amazing. Kate Dickey. I do you know what? I've been a fan of Kate Dickey for a long time now, um, and I think she might be one of the nicest people working in UK cinema. She's so sweet. Oh yeah. Um, but I. I think one of the first things I really took notice of her in was um, an Andrea Arnold film called Red Road, mm. which is super dark, kind of gritty British cinema. But yeah, huge recommend for that. She's okay. fantastic, always. Yeah, I am not too familiar with her. I, I know her main, mostly from this, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, I think I, she's probably most famous for a recurring role on Game of Thrones. Yes. Um, was she? Was there also breastfeeding going on? Yes. In, yeah. <laughs> I've heard this. I would argue that the Game of Thrones stuff was way worse. <laughs> <laughs> it always is on Game of Thrones. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, also Kate Diggy might be popping up again this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, Ralph Innocent and Kate Dickey are basically, we're saying they're in a movie that we're Stop covering it. this season. Stop it. If you can guess it, then you can you score some... Nothing. Nothing. Just, we'll go, Bragging all right, rights. cool, well done. <laughs> um, We've obviously got Anya Taylor-Joy in her first credited movie role. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I, I, I did look on Letterboxd and I seemed to, there was something before that. Um, but that could have been a TV show, could have been something unreleased. But yeah, I, this is the first kind of thing that I, I was aware of that she mm-hmm. was in. Obviously, I didn't see this movie when it came out, but I think I was aware of it. She's kind of everywhere now, isn't she? She's Yo, oh, you can't avoid her. Yeah. Split and she's uh, going to be Furiosa in the new Mad Max film coming mm-hmm. out pretty soon, I think, actually. Next few months, maybe. Next Let's six months. So. Oh, God, that's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Um, she's Princess Peach in Super Mario Brothers. She's in a bunch of um, really offbeat stuff that I like, like Thoroughbreds and The Menu. The Menu, yeah. She, she makes interesting choices. Last uh, Last Night in Soho. Yeah. Obviously great in that. She's had a pretty diverse career so far. New Mutants. Still haven't seen that, so I, can't no, copy. I, nobody's seen it. <laughs> no. It doesn't exist. It's a trick. <laughs> it's a, what, what do you call it? The what, The Mandela the man the mandela assumption <laughs> i think sure. it's that let's go i with think that. that exists in a different um universe <laughs> in this universe the mandela effect is called the mandela assumption <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right do you know i think the kids are always fucking annoying in movies <laughs> but these kids are great the uh, caleb particularly do you know I had exactly the same thought because so often, I mean, how do you direct a child? I don't even know where where one would start with that task because know. surely they're just like distracted by everything. And Well, I did hear on a the commentary there was a scene where they had to shoot the twins mm-hmm. being asleep. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that scene. But apparently they had to, he was doing a slow zoom up to them and the boy had a sweet in his mouth. <laughs> and every time the camera got close, he started chewing it. <laughs> And um, Eggers was like, uh, come on, you've got to stop fucking around. Stop chewing the sweet. He goes, have you got the sweet? He goes, no, I haven't got it. I'll spell it out. Okay, fine. And they start filming again and he start chewing and he's got the sweet. And he got so pissed off of it that he actually physically fished the sweet out of the kid's mouth. <laughs> I'm sure some unions would have something to say about that. Yeah, uh, um, yeah I, heard a, I heard a similar story, actually. I think Eggers had... Eggers. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think he had quite a bit of difficulty directing the children on this film. Yeah, okay. um, Because I heard a a similar story where obviously the, the most memorable scene with Caleb, which we'll get to, where he is just phenomenal. Mm. You know the one, you mm-hmm. know the one. But apparently he couldn't get Harvey Scrimshaw. Is it Harvey Scrimshaw? Harvey Scrimshaw, yeah, that's right. Right. He couldn't, what's the word? <laughs> he couldn't um, articulate. Oh God, the irony. He couldn't articulate his- <laughs> This um... is a universe where you don't know the word for articulate. <laughs> he couldn't articulate his intended direction to Harvey. Mm. So Ralph Innocent had to step in and do it for him. Okay. Because Harvey just he didn't understand what Robert Eggers wanted from him. And apparently Innocent has a lot of experience at teaching kids acting. Hmm. It's something that he does. So he was he was really good about it and he just kind of stepped up and created some sort of football analogy. Yeah, I heard <laughs> that really this. helped. I, I heard that he tried to kind of break it down in a way that the kid would understand. Yeah. And I think it was uh, Eggers. Eggers, actually. <laughs> he on a on a commentary had said, like, oh, I I couldn't relate too much to this kid so ralph helped out but i think ralph was involved in this movie from quite early on yeah. by all accounts he definitely uh was a, a part of the casting process and like saw all of the other cast with with eggers mm-hmm. black philip was played by charlie oh, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna talk about charlie are we yeah <laughs> he was a uh, he eggers he also had a problem <laughs> i'm gonna do that every time he also had a problem directing the animal funny that yeah yeah he he said um apparently the hair was the best <laughs> taking direction yeah <laughs> the hair do you know what the hair was called no dizzy dizzy oh dizzy the hair so cute yeah dead now of course oh stop it you always do this <laughs> you ruin animals and films for me yeah so charlie was such a dick that he's now retired from the acting industry <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a dishonourable discharge more than a retirement, really? to be honest. Hopefully he was living off the residuals. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Um, but yeah, he was such a problem that I think Ralph Innocent was sent to the hospital, I think it was three times. Wow. Yeah, there's there's that scene where he's kind of tussling with Charlie mm. and <laughs> calling him Charlie makes it sound so innocuous. Let's go back to Black Philip. <laughs> Black Philip, Black Philip. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's kind of trying to get him to go into the pen or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and Black Philip kind of, I don't know, charged at him. Yeah. And that was not intended to happen. That was not supposed to happen. Um, and yeah, he he had three separate occasions where he had to get hospital treatment. Oof. And I think at one point they were like, he separated a couple ribs, basically made him bleed and like, oh God, the things Bloody they hell. do for their art. Yeah, it seems like it was quite a grueling shoot, this one as well, because they did, um, they shot on location in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it, it looked like it was in the middle of nowhere. I know it's supposed to, but. Yeah, but it, it was. like yeah. um, It looked very remote. They wanted to shoot in New England, mm-hmm. but money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they tr- they shot in in Canada. The area that they wanted to use, like the the scouting location or whatever, wanted to use was proper out in the sticks, mm-hmm. and they all had to share. They ended up getting a seven bedroom hotel, cast anyway, and shared a hotel where they were just sort of isolated for 
I think it was a 25 day shoot. So at least that, but that actually helped like the isolation and stuff actually helped with their characters. Just the way they deal with it. Cause it's a lot. That's a a part of this story. A lot is how isolated they are from everybody else. They're now away from that community for whatever reason. Cause we don't really know the reason you just sort of assume that William is maybe like, I don't know. Well, He's grasped on someone. <laughs> like, he, his, so his sin, the reason he's cast out is because he's done something prideful, but we don't, we never get to know what. And obviously that could be one of many things, couldn't it? Yeah. And like an interpretation of the doctrine that, yeah. that, that, that they're following. I, I don't know much about that kind of religious thing, but I know there are like separatists and. Mm-hmm. Okay. So talk, talk about the religious side of things then. Mm-hmm. So there's seven children or sorry there's seven family members yep and i heard somewhere that maybe you could argue that that sort of represents the seven uh the seven sins is it the seven deadly sins? seven deadly sins which would make sense if his if his sin was pride because That's, that is one of the seven deadly sins yeah uh, he's definitely prideful for uh, throughout the movie he obviously doesn't want to admit that he, he's not catching any food and stuff and doesn't want to admit that maybe leaving that community was a bad idea. Yeah. And ultimately it's cost everyone their lives. Spoilers. Yes, cost everybody dearly. <laughs> yeah. But at least he can chop some wood, eh? <laughs> yeah, even that backfired. <laughs> yeah. His, his lone log pile fell on his head. <laughs> oh, poetry. Yeah, super well done. But yeah, so you could like his pride, obviously, there's, there's no question, right? Um, I don't know really... I couldn't name you the seven sins, put it that way. Well, the only other one that I think could be interpreted quite clearly is um, Caleb could be lost. Yes. Because he does kind of look at Thomasin at one point a little bit inappropriately, maybe. Mm. Um, he's drawn to the witch when she's in her kind of femme fatale visage. Yeah, that's that's probably the, the next most obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. Because he does check out his sister's rack. <laughs> um, you had to say it, didn't you? Well, I was trying to dance around <laughs> Well, let's see it happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's not the worst thing that happens in this movie. But um, he's, you know, he's uh, a boy. He's removed from a community. No one's fucking talking about sex education, are they, back then? They're just like, that's a sin. Shut up. <laughs> stop it. Don't. But like, come on, you know, you've got to talk about these things. Yeah, um, of course. Otherwise you end up with five children. Yes. <laughs> what about the baby? The baby I've heard maybe could be interpreted as original sin, right? So original sin means, um, you're going to explain to me what that means. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I'm assuming that that's like you're just born a sinner, right? Yeah. And then you have to, because they have that conversation, don't they? You have to, as soon as you're alive, you've got to say sorry and you pray and you mm-hmm. hope that you're not going to do bad shit. Yeah. Um, but because the baby can't talk yet, the baby can't apologize for being alive. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's what. <laughs> that would make sense. Right? That would make sense. Yeah. Catherine Ruff, I've written down. Ruff? Ruff. Ruff. Well, Ruff. Ruff. <laughs> Ruff. Is that being angry? <laughs> yeah. And she is. She's a petty bitch. Yeah, that works. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Or greed. Because she's so upset about the silver cup and 
It could, like, there's so many different interpretations. Yeah. And I, I do think the Seven Deadly Sins is worth exploring a bit. That's that's solid. And it's uh, not something that had occurred to me. I mean, Thomasin, uh, you know, <sighs> greed. She, uh, she, she ate the words to live deliciously. Well, so I have thoughts about that, but I'm not going to get into it until the end. All right. Well, let's put that, put a pin in. <laughs> okay. Would thou like to live deliciously? And we'll pick that up at the end. <laughs> okay. I want to divert a little bit because I think one of my favorite things about this is the music or the score, should we say, not the music. It's really um, chilling. It's really atmospheric. It's, I mean, there's very little music to speak of. Most of it is kind of vocalizations. Oh. Yeah. 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 Obviously, Kubrick's done that before. More recently, a lot of Yellow Jackets. There was that kind of... Not choral, but vocal um, score. Mm. And I think it's really effective. And it's just sort of, it's used sparingly in this instance and it really fits. Um, And I did read somewhere that it's intended to signal whenever the witch was kind of calling to one of them or trying to summon something. Okay. Which I think is a really interesting way of um, just adding more layers. Yeah. It just, it feels off the piece. Yeah. And it just, it helps with all of the creepiness because... I sort of alluded to earlier that you do sort of see the witch very early on Mm -hmm. and that score definitely helps maintain that presence because you don't see her, you see it three times, see the witch four times. so, yeah. And even then it's not like full view or the one time that it is, it's a different representation Mm -hmm. uh, of that witch, which I guess was designed to entice Caleb. Uh, It worked. It did. I think, I don't know, I think there's a couple of times I laugh in this film. Okay. I do think there are moments that are funny. Do you? Yeah. Which moments? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quite amusing, really, at the start, really, when um, Anya Taylor-Joy Thomason's looking after the baby and she's doing the boo thing. <laughs> because she, starts, she goes boo and she goes boo and she goes boo. And then she gets quite aggressive with it. She's like, ah! And then that's like when the baby disappears it yeah. just and i i don't know i, I kind of laughed at that bit <laughs> uh, i just thought like that's the worst possible thing that can happen at that moment and it happened um and the other time i laughed is when they tied the children to the fence <laughs> uh there's not a theme going on here <laughs> well they didn't have like those elasticated reins that you could put children on back yeah. then did they yeah that's what they needed for baby's day out yeah <laughs> that's where the joe montagna went wrong yeah <laughs> um yeah i do think there are a couple of moments it's not listen it's not a fucking laugh a minute film it's quite <laughs> harrowing i'm glad you cleared that up <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, and right after where that baby disappears and you see what happens with a baby and it's kind of a slightly obscured but you see the baby and you see harm come to the baby oh yeah like there's no they make <laughs> i'm choosing the poorest uh the poorest choices of words at the moment they make no bones about the fact that that the child is very much deceased yeah and being utilized yeah to like mushed up and spread over the stick or the pole as they used to call it back in those days did they yeah what they um what do you call it the like the broomstick yeah because it was before kind of that trope of the or, or idea of the broomstick kind of was popular it was just a stick and but they refer to it as a pole but yeah she okay. the idea was that she would smear the baby um 
liquid <laughs> over the, there's, there's no nice way to say uh, it uh, over the over the pole and then um and then they could fly well yeah so i read somewhere that um in folklore literally like the recipe for the ointment i guess i don't know what to call it <laughs> yeah that would allow witches to fly which obviously we know is not true which is why it's folklore but the ingredients were things like poisonous herbs and things like wolfsbane and hallucinogenic herbs as well but the fat the rendered fat of an unbaptized baby right unbaptized that's right yeah that's right because 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 that's what they talk about isn't it they say or the kid caleb is talking to william where where basically william just ends up going look shut up <laughs> I'm not talking to you anymore. But I think, I guess, when they leave the settlement at the beginning, Kate Dickey's character is pregnant, I think. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't pick up on that. I did wonder how much time had passed since leaving the settlement and when you see them again having built I'm guessing they built, built, built the house. Yeah. So Yeah. There's, there's a scene where half of one of the outbuildings, only half the roof has been thatched. Yeah. So I don't know why he's chopping so much wood. Fucking get on and thatch that roof, mate. <laughs> Chivy up before yeah. the winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, so I guess that's that's quite an important note then, that yeah. if that was the baby that was born after they left the settlement, it wouldn't be baptised. Yeah. Which presumably the other children would be. Yeah. Well, it didn't help the other children either, though, did it? I mean, not really, no. <laughs> I mean... But they weren't ground up into flying potion. <laughs> No, um, Caleb was just sexually assaulted by an adult. You've made that assumption. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> she is an adult woman, that is a child. Yeah, we don't know what went on behind closed doors, thank God. Yeah. Um, I think, do you know what? I think some of the film's biggest strengths are in those moments because a lesser filmmaker would have shown us what happened when actually the mystery and him just turning up again mm. sort of spouting nonsense and looking like he's under some sort of trance that's way more interesting yeah but you you see i mean when there is that kiss you you see a quick shot of a hand and a withered wizened old hand yeah a witchy old hand and it's um kind of the shining-esque isn't it where he's kissing yeah that's a that, good shout that ghosty ghost in the ghost yeah. room yeah out of the shower the ghost house <laughs> Yeah, in a ghost shower. They have a ghost shower together. Yeah. And he says, oh, I'm trying to write my book. Yeah, that's exactly how The Shining goes. And he's really annoyed. That one had ghosts. This one has goats. Yeah. That's the only difference. <laughs> I ain't afraid no goats. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's quite a an interesting amount of foreshadowing in this film as well. And I'm interested to know if you picked up on much of that, having watched it twice this week. Foreshadowing. Yeah. No, I don't think I did pick up on it. Obviously, we kind of, it's a horror film, so we know think they're not going to fare well, right? We was, Shit's got to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think I think it's Ralph Innocent's character who says at one point, we will conquer this wilderness, it will not consume us. Oh, yeah. Which I guess is more of his pride rearing its ugly head. Yeah. And he's definitely punished for it. But yeah, stuff like that. And I think for the... The biggest one for me, and it's not something that struck me until this time around, because I think when you watch things with the podcast in mind, you pick up so much more than you would on a casual viewing. Definitely, um, yeah. Obviously, we've got the kind of... There are several moments, I think, 
at least three that I can think of um, where Thomasin is in the middle of the frame and it's quite a close shot and she's the only one in the room and the camera's focused on her and it's framed exactly the same each time, but at different points. Um, and I found that really interesting. But yeah, uh, right at the beginning when they're cast out, she's the only one who looks back. She kind of looks back at what she's losing rather than what they're going towards, which is what where the rest of the family is looking. Yeah. And I think that's kind of perhaps the biggest foreshadowing. Okay. She didn't want to leave. She was the one who wanted a way out. She wanted to stay at the settlement. I, that's the impression I get, yeah. Right. Okay. She's sort of wistfully looking back, whereas the rest of them were just head forward, new life. Yeah. Quite stubborn about it, I guess. Yeah. There's also um, one of the shots that I'm thinking of is when she's kneeling on the floor praying by herself. Mm. And she's the only one throughout the film who kind of shows contrition, who sort of confesses her sins to God. Well, the only one that we see do it anyway. Like she's she's confessing, saying that she's broken all of the cardinal sins in thought, if not in practice. And she's begging for forgiveness, like saying, you know, Lord, help me. And obviously the theory is that it's not God that answers her. Yeah. Somebody hears the prayer, obviously, but it's not God. Mm. And that that's when she sort of opens the door, metaphorically speaking, which to, I really like. To the witch. Yeah. To well, the to devil. Satan. To Satan, yeah. To the devil, uh, Philip. Philip the devil. <laughs> Philip the devil, yes. Philip the black devil. Yeah. <laughs> As the satanic yeah. temple call him. No, we, we stand the satanic temple. They wouldn't stand for such slander. <laughs> they they endorsed the film, by the way. Oh, yeah. Big fans of the film, yeah. Well, it's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I think specifically because they think it will um, open up relig uh, like interesting religious conversation. Okay. I heard the Pope loves this movie. Did you? Yeah. I'm going to call bullshit on that. So the only cast members we haven't talked about are the two younger children. You started saying earlier on that you thought the acting from all of the kids was really impressive. Yeah. What did you think of the twins? Well, I... Apart from sweet chewing when they shouldn't be. Yeah, I thought the um, the twins were good. You know, they were good in the scenes. They were meant to be fucking irritating. <laughs> yeah, and they nailed that. I, I didn't really quite know what was going on with them. And I guess that was by design. Mm -hmm. But I thought they were very good. They weren't on screen an awful long time. But the particularly Mercy, she was yeah. she had a bit more to do than the other one. She had a quite a lot more dialogue, I think. Yeah. Uh, and she was great. I thought I don't know, I was quite happy to see the back of them. Let's put it <laughs> that way. Okay. But you don't physically see what happens to them, do you? Uh, in in what's oh right at the end you mean yeah yeah okay they just sort of disappear right when they, after they do the I mean the possession thing well they're locked up in the barn with Thomasin and the goats right yeah the parents like everybody originally yeah that's at, at that point where the, everybody's turned against one another and the mm. parents lock all three remaining children in the barn yeah and um basically hammer nails to make sure they can't get out and. When they wake up in the morning, Thomasin is out, like she wakes up, but there's blood everywhere. The barn is destroyed. I think the assumption is that the kids are no longer with us, shall yeah. we say. Yeah. Um, but again, we don't need to see it. This film is so restrained. Well, I, I maybe um, those children are Are you going to say you would have liked to see it? No. <laughs> maybe the reason that the, the witches fly at the end of the movie is because those 
twins are oh no because they need to be unbaptized don't they unbaptized babies in order to fly maybe uh, who knows about the law but um, <laughs> yeah no i wondered if it, if they were used as some kind of child fuel for their for their <laughs> flying at the end of the movie where annie taylor joy is like yeah i'm going mad or i'm being, being a witch i don't know which one do you <laughs> i know i know which one i want to believe but we'll talk about that when we get to the end all right so let's go back a little bit. I want to talk about the scene with Caleb. You know which one? The scene. Which one? The hunting? When they're hunting? No. When he re-emerges. Oh, after right, he's right. met the witch. Yep, yep. Um, and he, he comes back and he's out in the rain. And he's naked. just out of it. Yep. Shivering, kind of gibbering wreck. And then, I don't know, he sort of comes to after spitting something out. I think, was it an apple? Like a rotten apple? Yeah, after they've done the the medicine. After they've done the bloodletting, which blood is letting. nuts. <laughs> how do people think? How do people ever think that that was a thing? I, I don't know. I didn't know it was a thing until I asked you what it was yesterday. Why is she cutting her son's head open? You said it's <laughs> like releasing the madness or something. No, I mean, they, a lot of people back then thought it was kind of a cure all. Right. That the um the the. I don't know, the, the badness, the toxicity was contained within the blood. Yeah. So literally bloodletting was a way to rid the body of that. Right. It was like a cleansing process. Um, can't imagine it worked too well. No. Since it's a load of bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly didn't work in this case. No, it didn't It didn't do Caleb any favours. Because he was witched. He got witched. He got yeah. appleized in the mouth. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, is an app an apple is is that synonymous with a witch? An apple? Um, I thought that was teachers. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I mean, an apple is kind of generally quite closely associated with the Bible in terms of Adam and Eve. That was the first oh, yeah. sin, wasn't it? When the snake's like, go and eat an apple. Yeah, be like the and goat. She does be like the goat? The exactly. goat's going. And you take the joy of buried apple. Yeah, and she was tempted, and so there, the, that was the first sin. Mm. So that's that would be my interpretation of that. Yeah, it's a good Just one because they're I like so it. devout. But that scene gave me chills. It gives me chills every time. That kid is so good. He was fucking great in that scene, and it was a long take. And he's only had um, I I, I looked on his letterbox, and he's only had like three other credits, I think. Okay. But um, he's probably still in school. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Have a proper childhood, mate. Yeah. Yeah, really good scene, really intense. And I don't know, at that point, you're just kind of like, well, fucking who next? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if the baby isn't safe and the child, like, if nobody is safe, mm. this is just going to end very badly for anyone. All bets are off. And he's, he's probably out of everybody, they're all flawed characters, but mm -hmm. he's the best of them. Do I you would think? Yeah, I, he's a he's a boy, so obviously he's a bit misguided, and like he's had all fucking. Uh, how how old is he? Like ten or whatever. I think he's supposed to be eleven. Eleven. So he's had eleven years of just indoctrinate indoctrination, and just miserable growing up. Like I, the way the Puritans lived, it wasn't much of a life. It was literally just surviving. Yeah. And especially then, they're on their own trying to be self-sufficient. That's no life. Yeah, exactly. He's removed from the community. He's he's doing everything that he's told. He's reciting the prayers. He's out hunting with his dad. He's covering for his old man as well. Like, But know. then that's a sin. 
the lying deceit yeah. deceit yeah and, and but william is happy to for him to lie as well so he's 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 definitely flawed but i think i think um i think caleb's the the best of them do you really i mean i'm intrigued actually what do you think thomason's sins are well she killed her mother that's pretty bad you shouldn't no, do I that mean, throughout the film <laughs> <laughs> not at the end <laughs> yeah i think she gets corrupted I, I i'd say that it's unfortunate maybe um maybe if they stay at the settlement she doesn't turn into a, a psychopath but the Thomasin that we see throughout the story, what? Why do you think she's so bad? I, I I don't necessarily think she's bad. I don't think she starts out bad. I think she's corrupted by the goat, by the evil goat. I don't think she is until the end. I think at the end she's lost everything, and she sees that as, oh, maybe this is my chance to have something of a life, because she's got I, nothing left at that. I point. suppose, yeah. At that point, she's she's lost everything, and that would drive you a little bit mad. But you still shouldn't make a deal with the devil, though, should you? Oh, no, if the but... devil pops up, like, I'll give you a... You can have some butter. Is he hot? <laughs> it's that goat. He looks like a goat. <laughs> I, I really like goats. I probably would. <laughs> I would I would write in the, the goat's book. Would you? Yeah, oh, I love fucked. goats. You're fucked then. Yeah, I Don't know. bring this home to me as well. <laughs> I don't go... I've got to get a crucifix. I, did I not tell you about the goat I've just adopted? Uh, really? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I've got my uh, priest outfit from Halloween still. I'm going to put that on. You might have to utilize that. Yeah, I don't know. I I disagree. I think she's I think she's probably the best character in this in terms of pureness, purity, goodness throughout anyway because oh, yeah. she's she's desperate to please everybody. She's blamed for a lot, yeah. but she's she's never sort of outwardly resentful. She's de- well, to, to the younger children a little bit because they wind her the fuck up. Yeah, because they're twats. Yeah, but, so she does snap at them. But yeah, but she's still, you know, a child herself. Yeah, and and her parents she's, are talking about selling her off to one of the family. Yeah, she's definitely like the. She's not facing good circumstances, like you say. She, I mean, she lost the baby. It wasn't her fault. It just happened on her watch, and then she overhears her parents saying, or her mum specifically saying, "Look, she's, you know, she's becoming a, an adult now." we can flog her and you just think, <laughs> oh, that's, you know, that's a whole nother life of misery, potentially. Misery and servitude. Yeah. And her options are very limited, as you say. But she's the only one that we see who's, I, I mentioned it earlier, who's actually contrite. She's the only one we see on screen who's like begging God for forgiveness. They all claim to be devout and dedicated to their religion, but she's the one who shows it the most, ironically. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, Thomason's a real one. <laughs> MVP. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to... She didn't really do anything wrong, did she? No. Until the very end. And even then it was but self-defense. Yeah, it was self-defense. Hmm. I have to think on that <laughs> some more, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not watching it a fourth time. Though. I'm going to give it. A, I'm going to give it a while. Not this week, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I'm a. I'm a. I'm Team Caleb. I've got to say, I'm Team Caleb. Okay, I'm Team Thomason. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, importantly, we've got to get to the heart of the issue here. What is your reading of the film? Um, I think it's. I. I think it's really interesting because it's one of those where. Do you mean in terms of the witch stuff? Or do you mean, are you talking Do you take metaphors? it literally or do you see it as like a parable or, well, you can take it literally, you can take it as a parable 
Or you could take it as um, insanity, descent into insanity. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like we were saying earlier, I think it can be argued that any of those takes make sense, despite yeah. obviously your research on the moldy food um, being implausible. But despite that, I think the it descent still into be, madness is still completely plausible. It could still be halluc- mass hallucination um, of some variety. Shared delusion. Shared delusion, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I haven't really got, a take on it that I would say, oh, it's this because I think it's all of those, and I, like you said, eggers, 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 eggers. He he has said as well, like like you said already, that you can read it many different ways. I hate it when directors skirt around the issue. I want to know what his intention was. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, but I do I do appreciate that you can have multiple readings. I it, it I mean, could you? Is this is this a contempt? Could this be looked at as maybe a con- more contemporary story in in a way? Could you re- view it through the lens of a modern teenage young woman? Or- I mean, obviously, circumstances aside, I think the problems that children and teenagers face are largely the same. Your just with some added technology. Regardless like- of, of of what your parents believe, they're forcing their beliefs on you. Yeah, and like the only added complication in the modern world is the fucking internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's pretty similar, I would say. Yeah, I, you view it anyway. I think. Do you have you got strong feelings on that? Because I, I, I don't really. I, I, I think do. It's interesting. Okay, go on. Hit me with your strong feelings. <laughs> so my personal favorite reading of it is very literal yeah i thought it might be yeah you just want it to be the witch i do i do because i'm a huge fan of like witch law in general i mean the the whole theme of the season was my choice Mm. there's no secret that i love fairy tales folk tales um, myths legends all of that i fucking i live for that stuff and i don't know why i don't know if it's like the little kid in me who's just sort of seeking some nostalgia and comfort in stories that are somewhat familiar but with a darker grown-up edge Mm. i don't know but this definitely ticks all of those boxes for me and i definitely prefer the literal reading i can't think of that many witches movies Mm -hmm. um particularly good ones okay i mean obviously you've got stuff like hocus pocus which is played for laughs and the craft Mm -hmm. obviously and the craft reboot (laughs) The less said about that, the better. Yeah. Uh, Char- the first half was great. <laughs> was it? Yeah, and then it went to shit in the okay. second half. What about that um, Charmed? So I do want to spend a bit of time talking about this. Not about Charmed, Charmed? specifically, <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> but just in terms of how witches are depicted on screen and how that's changed over the years, because the witch is, with the exception of Thomas in at the end and the kind of idealistic view that the the witch projects to Caleb. Mm. I don't know. Like the the depiction of the witch here is very in keeping with old school folktales. Yeah. And a lot of the way witches were represented in media were drawn from children's stories and so-called historical texts and folklore. And that was kind of, you know, the wizened old crone with the big nose and the boils on her face and the like spiny fingers grot bags grot bags yes <laughs> grot bags for our british listeners and <laughs> <laughs> nobody outside of england will get that um but yeah i i don't know it's they're sort of 
I don't, I don't know if it's that I identify with them. This is going to sound really strange, but they're always shown to be outcasts, which mm. I love. But yeah, things have definitely changed over the years. More recently, in the past kind of two decades, I would say, or maybe even three decades, but which has started to be portrayed as younger, more mm. youthful, more sexy. Do you know what? Maybe it even started with Bewitched, the sitcom. Is that the, uh, oh no, I'm thinking of the Melissa Joan Hart thing. No, that was Sabrina the Teenage Witch, yeah. the first iteration on TV. Right. Yeah, and more recently, we have had like the Sabrina the Teenage Witch reboot that was on Netflix. Have we? Um, okay. Yeah, which which I believe was sort of more closely tied to the comics than the the 90s TV show. Um, things like Charmed, obviously The Craft, where they were still outcasts, they were still outsiders, but more, far more socially accepted and far more attractive yeah. than we've been used to seeing them. So this particular depiction felt like a return to form. It felt like, I don't know, I liked it in a way. In a way, it's sort of shitty and misogynistic when we realize that most of that stuff was probably written by men. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, that old hag there, that unmarried one that's never had any kids. She's disgusting. Let's try and drown her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So it sucks, but I'm both drawn to and repulsed by that depiction of witches okay well i think it's interesting i hadn't thought about the modern take on witches and you're right they're definitely played a lot sexier now yeah and that, that's but, probably but everything is but that's exactly what i was going to say everything is and it's just that culture everything's got to be a bit sexy for in order for someone in a suit to make some money <laughs> yeah um but yeah, it is. It was nice to have an oldie kind of what you remember from the that was the story about quicker put a children in the pot and don't <laughs> get in the brittle. oven because they'll eat you in the oven or there's a big giant near you or something. <laughs> I think and, you're thinking of Hansel and Gretel, like the kind of Grimm's fairy tale type witches. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot nicer to have that kind of depiction and have it closer to. I guess if as close to it being true, if this thing was true, you know, because <laughs> uh, obviously Eggers, Eggers, he <laughs> he went to great pains oh, in terms of accuracy, didn't he? Five years um, he took to research this this movie, yeah. and it was a lot of it was was a lot of the text dialogue was lifted directly from historical documents mm -hmm. where children had said this exact thing. And um, that's fascinating. I'd be the witch of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really, really detailed and it wants to be as accurate as possible. And I heard him to describe it as what, if a Puritan had a nightmare, what would it look like? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Back, back then. Yeah, I and like that. Yeah, that's that gave me a nice perspective on, on what this movie is. And also, it's interesting, like you say, about the history of, of witches back then as well. And most of the stories and how they evolved and changed over time probably was just finger pointing yeah. a, a strong, outspoken woman. I'm not saying it was that every time, but it was probably that quite a lot. Uh, as you say, unmarried or unable to have children yeah, or just is has a particular skill or outsiders that didn't fit the mold of what society wanted them to be yeah um and particularly like we've talked about it before um the salem witch trials i i visited salem i went to the salem witch museum i've read books on it i'm, I'm quite um invested in that that time yeah. period but even that kind of 
was born of racism yeah fear of other because i think it was i think she was a haitian nanny that they accused of teaching the girls voodoo Mm. so it's all born of just misguided hate yeah it's yeah misguided hate it's a and fear i think it's rooted rooted in fear yeah of what you don't understand yeah and if you don't understand it then let's try and stamp it out before it becomes a thing yeah it's it's weird using made up stories uh, as you as you say to to fight the thing that you're afraid of which you, I, you could argue what kind of religion is is also doing in its own i mean what are the differences really between someone practicing witchcraft and someone being a a priest or or whatever you know you're praying to up or down i don't know whatever your preference is <laughs> Um, and I don't know, I suppose witches are more like physical based, aren't they? So you could argue that it's it's maybe more scientifically leaning because they actually use physical things rather than um, religion is you, you pray to a, a, a magic person in the sky, mm-hmm. whereas they use baby entrails well, I mean, and the... like paprika or whatever and... <laughs> baby entrails and paprika <laughs> yeah. and i believe it's turmeric yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah oh, it's... it's good it's anti-inflammatory <laughs> yeah <laughs> cures all manner of ills that and bloodletting um but yeah no you're right i think biblical stories like jesus rising from the dead mm. is no weirder than the stuff that provides the foundations for things like wicca and even like christianity took shitloads from paganism yeah so there's a lot of blurred lines, but finger pointing. And it doesn't make a lot of sense when you break it all down. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> the witch. The Vavitch. The witch. Good for her. This is definitely in the in the pantheon of good for her cinema. Really? Yeah. yeah so you think that she's going to live deliciously as was promised i do do you know what if somebody told me you can go and live in a little house in the woods surrounded by cute animals and never have to talk to a human man ever again i'd be like where do i sign up no offense dan but where do i sign up i no, i think i would take that deal also you know yeah. i i don't know i just i kind of feel like right what i feel like right is that um do tell what i'm saying is right yeah okay um at some point she's gonna pay for making this deal with the devil right it doesn't come free her soul is if i mean if we're taking it as literal and the witches exist and the devil exists and she's made a deal with the devil does that not mean that her soul is damned for eternity does not that mean that she's in her religion okay in in the religion of christianity not in other religions maybe satanism doesn't work that way maybe you just get a fiery cup well i mean satanism is isn't what people make it out to be and particularly things like the satanic temple it's not actually worshipping satan no i mean satanism in the sense of whatever this movie is is trying to say that is i mean they're talking goat and because this movie is saying that the devil lives in a goat (laughs) and um well yeah historically that's that's been goats have been tied to that kind of thing they've got evil eyes man and they're Makes fuckwits. Sense. Yeah, they're jerks. Mm. <laughs> if he's going to be any animal, it's got to be a goat. I don't know. On some level, I think I feel bad for her because I know at some point she's going to have to pay her dues, maybe. But maybe maybe not. Until that point, she can fly around on a stick for a bit, I guess. She looks happier in that she... moment at the end than I've seen her through the entire film. So I'm going to continue saying... 
good for her. <laughs> yeah, but has she lost her mind? She's just fucking lost it. She's... Well, then she doesn't know any better. Is <laughs> still great. I suppose so. She's still laughing. She's ascending. <laughs> She's literally ascending. Yeah. And, um, and she didn't even have to rub any baby entrails all over herself. No. Win-win. Well, well we didn't see that anyway. <laughs> it might have been off screen. <laughs> implied baby entrails. It's implied baby entrails, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say? Uh, no, there's, n- there's nothing specifically about the witch, I think, that I want to go through. I don't know about you. I, I was thinking about other movies that I could watch that might inform my thoughts on this movie. And I mean, I've seen The Lighthouse and I've seen (laughs) The Northman, Mm -hmm. both directed by Robert Eggers. Mm -hmm. Eggers. And um, (laughs) this is my favourite one out of those three. Yeah, same. Quite easily. By quite a wide margin. By quite quite a way, yeah. And um, I was trying to think of other movies that I could watch. And I thought of The Crucible. I haven't seen that, but you own it. I do. It's not bad. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis... Yeah, okay. Doesn't often go far wrong, does he? No, 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 definitely not. But I didn't watch it, so... (laughs) (laughs) That was so insightful, Dan, thank you. continuing this segment of um, (laughs) movies that Dan might watch one day, uh, Hexen, Hexen. Oh, yeah, so that's um, reportedly the first film about witches, isn't it? Is it really? Okay. Well, it's 1922, sort of semi-fictionalised documentary style. Yes, that's right. Swedish silent movie. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, yeah, it's mixing real, I guess, documents with fiction. Mm-hmm. And I did, it's on YouTube. Is it? Yes. Ooh. And I put it on last night when you went to bed and I thought I'll do some podcast research. Did you have weird dreams after? I, I yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> No, I didn't watch. I didn't watch it all because it was now forty-five minutes long, and I thought oh, I'm not going to watch all of this. But I did sort of skip through it and watch the odd scene here and there. Now there is a scene where a devil creature, what I assume would be a devil creature, is holding up the prosthetic corpse of a baby. Okay, like in quite full view. That's dark for 1922. It's pretty dark. It's uh, dark for these days, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was more graphic than than this movie. Wow, Um, a hundred years ago. Yeah, uh, but it did make me kind of interested to see what else is in this movie. I think maybe we should put this on one day. It is a a silent movie and it would be my first silent movie. The closest that I've ever gotten to watching a silent movie is probably Three Amigos when they have those little (laughs) vignettes in the middle of the film. Oh my God. Yeah, so maybe as a as a film education, I should I should get to it. But we need um, to go. Yeah, we need to go backwards. I need to make you watch Metropolis one day. Yeah, and Nosferatu. Nosferatu, yeah. Peter. Peter. <laughs> you know it was coming. <laughs> yeah. So Hexen is is one that Eggers had actually mentioned, obviously right. having watched and being super aware of because I think he's a super cultured guy. His parents. Uh, his dad taught Shakespeare and his mum was an actor, so... Um, that would track. Super culture. I mean, the the script for The Witch, obviously a lot was taken from historical documents, as you said, but it was quite poetic in that way that Shakespeare was. Yeah. So that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. It, it's And you know, like, I made a joke about having to work hard to listen to the dialogue earlier, but actually, like, after a couple of minutes, I, I didn't even really notice it. I think you acclimatise, don't you? You do. You do acclimatise very quickly. And I, I do think a lot of that is to do with the performances and how things are delivered, because you can obviously say a lot with facial expressions mm. and movements. And I think 
that's one thing that all of this cast did super super well particularly uh, no everyone you know particularly the, the uh, William and, and Catherine and Annie Taylor-Joy and Caleb particularly mm-hmm. those four were just re- just did a fucking brilliant job yeah they seemed really the, dedicated their arse out of uh, on, on this movie just yeah. did brilliantly and super cute little bit of trivia um, because I'm nosy uh, on social media mm. I remember seeing about I don't know maybe like three four years ago Anya Taylor-Joy was commenting on one of Kate Dickey's posts on Instagram calling her mum and it just warmed my cold dead heart <laughs> mum do you remember when I killed you <laughs> wasn't that great sequel to this movie no never Did you watch a sequel called no. the Vavitches no when there are many witches no. and they, there's a, a robot and they set up a turret that sounds like the worst thing imaginable. This movie is perfect. I would say no notes, but I've made a lot of notes. <laughs> but mostly about how perfect it is. Yeah, it's a good one. It is a good one. And it, it's. I'm surprised at how much I like this movie. But just it's so interesting. And there's not anything else like it, really. The witches as, yeah. a, witches as a genre is something which we, we touched on earlier. It's something that I think needs to be explored more. There's mm-hmm. not many good ones. There's not much. We haven't even talked about Suspiria, you know. Fuck me, Suspiria, yeah. Uh, Both of them. Which is my favourite witch movie. Yeah. Uh, I love that film. The Argento version, obviously. Yeah, and the remake wasn't too bad either, was it? I loved the remake. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely a genre that I think has way more to offer in terms of exploration, in terms of just, if we can just get some good scripts written about it, there's a lot to mine there. Mm Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, to make a film this good, you've got to have the knowledge of all of that stuff and be prepared to do research. Putting five years painstaking research into the oldie-worldie dialogue. Yeah, but it it doesn't necessarily need to be a a period piece. It could Mm. be a contemporary piece, but based on true, unquote, uh, folklore Mm -hmm. uh, and truer to those kind of stories. true folklore might be an oxymoron. True folklore, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I Prop, mean, uh, yeah. Proper banger to start off the season. Yeah, really good start to the season. I think um, I'm really happy to, that we've started with this. And as I said, yeah, it's my favourite Eggers. <laughs> yes, me too. Five stars. Yeah, I'm going to give it 4.25 annoying goats out of five. <laughs> um, no, brilliant, brilliant movie. So continuing. The folklore theme. Yes. Next week, we're going to be doing a Christmas movie, aren't we? Because we are. we're going from Black Philip to Black Christmas. Yes, right. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Black Christmas. Um, next Monday, Christmas Day. Yes. Black from, Christmas. From the director of A Christmas Story comes one of the most harrowing Christmas based slashes you could possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah, tis the season to be jolly. Something like that. Stab you in the eye.